consumer is in charge they are expecting every day something better deliver it or die welcome to the past podcast ram uh, and friends and uh, our listeners and viewers today we have with us an amazing guest when it comes to understanding the nuances of competitive advantage and uh, ram charan so he is an expert and he's been assisting a lot of ceos of large and mid sized companies and 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 helping them understand the nuances of competitive advantage so if you are here to to understand and learn where the world is moving when it comes to defining your edge this is the right place so ram before we jump in to the meat of the stuff um walk to us about your journey what brought you to the world of competitive advantage and and and, and helping businesses out yes so vishal i got a lot of learning at the age of 10 in my shoe shop and there you have to compete with the shoe shop absolutely connected to my shoe shop my father's shoe shop and there you have to fight for each customer and each each transaction so you learn how to listen to a customer from then on my instructor told my father i should go to engineering college which i did from there i went to australia worked in a company full time from there i got admitted to harvard business school masters high distinction top 3% doctoral degree taught on the faculty and i was talking uh, teaching what they call business policy which has the com- competition as a major part of it so i've been doing that since 1967 and then i begin to get invitation by companies and the key thing is how do you create value for the customer and value for the shareholder both in doing that first mindset is what the customer need will need give it better than anybody else and the customer values that better that's competitive advantage what is different since 1997 and before is the speed is the innovation innovation for the customer in the past it was static low speed and most of the people paid less attention to please note individualized personalized preference by the customer in the past it was mass marketing mass advertising mass production and what changed it in 97 is the application of the browser and the internet with the 100 year old technology of machine learning by one entrepreneur who took all that from the defense industries and wall street and created what is known as amazon and that became from a very small shop to a big giant today over a period of 20 years roughly and has created extraordinary value for shareholders and extraordinary preference by the consumers to do that you got to innovate every day so today amazon creates 300 applications per second but in 1997 it's a small shop of four or five people idea here is 
the algorithms, machine learning, you can download today, inexpensive. You don't need big equipment. You can rent things today. You need ideas. You show proof of concept. There's enormous amount of funding available for you to take off. But this is number one, personalization. Number two, engaging the consumer, getting data and using data continuously. And third, looking at the sources of revenue from adjacent segments. And fourth is become an expert to know what the consumer prefers, why. Fascinating. That's competitive advantage. That's that is that is fascinating. So, um, over over uh, while you are pra practicing and helping businesses under uh, understand, and, and you 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 made a fair point. Nineteen ninety seven things have changed. Dot com came. Uh, our, our perception of of competitive advantage change. So, how has business taken that that evolution? Like from from your vantage point, looking at last thirty years. What have you seen? How the world of competitive advantage changed, or the perception of yes. being, uh, having an edge? Changed? Yes. Yeah. So here, before 1997, it was an analysis of gaining market share. You pick up the directly competing, indirectly competing firms, and then say, what are the barriers to entry? What are the barriers to exit? And so on. That's over because the algorithms allow adjustment in milliseconds. Take Walmart, it adjusts prices every hour on a number of items. We couldn't do that before. So you got to get a machine learning. You got to know the consumer data, external and internal. The total change. Now there are about a dozen or so companies that are digital based. 99% of the companies still don't have the algorithmic engines. They're now coming through, COVID forced them to do that. Mm. There is a myth about it takes too much time. There's no return. It's very costly. That's all gone. Today, we have now vendors who will come in, who will begin to show you results in 10 weeks in less than half a million dollars. Showing results will tell you you have ROI on it. Right now, what I'm telling and taking people through, the risk of not doing this is death. Retail sectors has amply shown that since Bezos became in retail, look how many companies are going bust. Mm. What is happening to the malls? And these big companies had cash. They had embedded base, they had brands. Walmart began really better when Doug McMillan came in and the family owns 51% so they can do it. They're making a very good progress in Walmart now. But the sales growth in Walmart is anemic compared to the Amazon. And this competition will continue. Now Target coming through, Home Depot coming through. But you can't name very many other companies. Mm. But they're all learning it. And Walmart gaining share largely from other analog companies. Time has come to make the decision and move because the penalty is high. 
Now you turn that around, put the foot to the pedal, and you can create a very bright future. Walmart stock prices doubled. Think about that. Target has doubled. They put the foot to the pedal. It can be done. Disney has come back. Hmm. They bought a company for a quarter of a billion and they got the religion. They got to do streaming. It's back. It's now got almost 95 million subscribers. They were declining for their revenues on the television. Bob Iger did a good job. He should have done it five years earlier. It was all there. And by the way, Netflix would have never been built had Disney not giving the library. Hmm. Now they're recouping that. So the CEO, the board, even though you are a small company, open your mind. We now have in America, 100% of the population in some way using algorithms, machine learning, data. All these cell phones, they're all database. The now new generation is using our data-driven, algorithmic-driven appliances they are mentally accustomed to. They are the ones who compare prices, compare offerings. Interesting. So um, I think one thing I find fascinating about your your journey and your portfolio of clients that, that you are helping uh, stay competitive. So one are say GEs of the world or say uh, they have been here for hundreds of years they have been pretty they have seen multiple bursts and 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 and, and cycles along the way ex- survived and then you have this new uh, and up and coming rising stars like amazon and, and those guys who are relatively newer and 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 even if you look at from the market market perspective market treat them differently right so if ge is taking too much risks or if they, you don't see the, the, a, a massive price earning on on GE stocks. On on the other side, if you look at Netflix, the public give them a pass, or the investor give them a pass when it comes to their risk taking ability. So when you are helping, say businesses who have a legacy model who have been there for quite some time, and now getting into this digital disruption, how do you how do you explain them that? Yeah, yeah. How can they, they prepare yeah. themselves? So, so first thing is that I explained to particularly two people, CEO and CFO. And we say that you have to show to your shareholder how you're going to create value, market cap. And the market cap, how you're going to show speed. And to do the market cap, you need revenue growth. That is profitable. So now we say you have a value chain end to end. Supplier, your own area, and then the customer. In between you and the customer, you have distributors. So we build first the database. So we create single source of truth first. Mm. That can be done in 10 weeks. And then we show them how to use to create more revenues. How do you use the data to create growth in revenues? How do we use in data to create innovation for the customer? We do this first as a pilot so they can bite it 
We got the people to do this. And once they got the confidence, then we have to get a larger group in the company because they will always be skeptical. We have been doing these things for years. Can this data be relied upon? So you run that in parallel. And when the confidence is built, then it goes forward. It's slow, but when they pick it up. So it is smallest companies as low as 24 million to as high as 100 billion. And so 100 billion companies creating their own internal internal mechanism, like a JP Morgan, like a Bank of America. It's good they're doing that, uh, like Walmart is doing it. Walmart bought a company, and that company person has done it before for Amazon. And this company, they put them into high gear to put what Amazon doing it. Many things Walmart is doing is basically what Amazon is doing. Walmart has an advantage to use these stores as the pickup places. So they're leveraging that, very good news. But they are getting very similar to what Amazon doing. Walmart is very high, very large size on roughly 550 billion. Amazon is around 400, but Amazon is growing at 25%. Walmart is less than 10%. So it's going to catch up in three years or less. Interesting. And and um, I think, so Walmart is a very good example, right? So Walmart, they are in the retail. They have been pretty data savvy to begin with. Their culture has this idea of uh, saving money with data. So pretty, pretty, pretty steamed up. And say when you talk about, so I, so I was talking to one of the uh, world's largest industrial manufacturer and, 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 and he was sharing me about his pain. And so he was telling me, Vishal, we get talent. We get talent with this new new reality of using data effectively, using this new paradigm of work effectively. But when we bring them on board, how we function, we are culturally so different from where these people are coming from that many times they feel clogged and choked and, and they yeah. end up they end up quitting. So how yeah. do you how do you suggest these companies to transform in this new Excellent. reality? Excellent. So I give you two or three ways to do that. I've been doing that. In this particular case, Vishal, the CEO and the CFO and two or three other people in the top team have now agreed to do this. If they don't agree, it won't happen. Mm. Yeah. That's the commitment. Yeah. And they also have somebody that who is willing is the CDO, Chief Digital Officer, or chief technology officer. If you don't have that team, it's not going to work. Now we say this way, I did in one company. I said, consider this is a large manufacturer. So we say, I want you to pick 2% of the people who have 98% of the impact. It's usually about 50, 60 people. Mm -hmm. We're going to organize them. I will do a half a day teaching to them. No more, just to get them. And I'll get the CDO to work with me that what algorithms can do. Not what algorithms are. We can clarify. But what machine learning can do for the business to increase revenues, to increase margins, to increase cash flow, to serve the customer better, create a customer preference. We do this homework on that. So people say, yeah, that's credible, but they don't know what the algorithms are. So then we say, we're going to take, in this case, we're 50 people. We're going to split them into eight teams cross-functional, cross-unit. And they're going to get six weeks maximum. Each team is going to examine a part of the whole value chain. 
and they're going to come up with one idea that should be digitized. They did. Mm. Some came with three. Very specific. I created template. So they now got into the operation. And in each team, we assigned an IT person. They went meticulously because the top team is going to review them. Say, what resources do you need? They can get you some small vendors to work with you. And we have chosen the projects now to go in. So the cultural commitment came out from those 2%. And the energy in the company moved. Please remember one thing. The people in the middle are saying, why did it take you so long? Hmm. They can't wait for it. They want it organized. They want education. They want simple wins to show that. And then we're now proceeding on a pilot basis, doing small bites. You see, in every case, nothing is going to wait more than 10 weeks. Interesting. So Yeah, I'll give you one. There's a company in India called Larson and Tubro. This is about four years ago. New CEO came from inside, aggressive, fantastic CEO. So he gets a team of 10 people. These 10 people look at the data of three years of suppliers. They buy something like six, $6 billion of merchandise every year. I met the team. This team did the single source of truth. They, they hygiened up the data, did that by hand did the coding, standardized. It took about a year and a half. Then they put them into action. They saved $600 million a year. Tangible benefit. Now, the Larson Tubro bought a, a company that does this kind of work and built as a line of business. But we need the commitment of the top team and we, we create socialization and get the people to say, you don't worry about the algorithms. You spend your time what needs to be improved. And algorithms is a tool. And we're going to give you a tool person with you who will open your eyes. If you do this, what will happen? If you do this, what will happen to your revenues, with your cash, with your margin? with your customer satisfaction, with your brand. And that's how we have done in a couple of companies. It moves very fast. Interesting. And 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 I'm curious to know, so, so you see writing on the wall. So say if you're dealing with a company and you see writing on the wall, you understand there's a clear systematic issue uh, uh, that this company needs to go through to transform and understand this new reality. And they are stuck. They're stuck with their cultural paradigms. So I wonder what are some of the some of the tricks that you have used because because we we hear about leaders a lot many leaders who who talk about not able to get through the 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 viscous, viscosity of the culture of an organization to make Great a change. Point. So, yeah. yeah. So that's why the first item is two percent of the ninety eight percent impact. Find those people. You're gonna have sessions with them. They are influencers by definition, see what is their need. They are the cultural modifiers, what decisions they are in. 
where these decisions need to be put to the machine learning. That's the mechanism. It's in my book, Talent Wins. I wrote with the CEO McKinsey and vice chairman of, K, of, of Corn Ferry. So you don't do the whole company. You cannot. Hmm. You've got to go where the most critical decision and most influential people. And they're legitimate, they're respected, they're influential. See, the resistance is not by 100% of people. Partly they don't know what it is. Hmm. Partly legitimate skepticism. Could data really do that? So we done in parallel to show them. The most difficult part, if you have the top layer of 20 people, next layer is 100. The greatest resistance is in the 120 people. And the news is people know who they are. And the CEO has to deal with them. It's not in the middle. Interesting. And 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 what about what about the those leaders? So so uh, who understand that the market's perception of how they should be played how they should be played upon in 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 the open market is different from say their com some other company that they they're trying to mimic the model for. So if again if GEs end up uh, so they cannot take be seen taking too much of random risks compared to Netflix or, or some other company. So how do you how do you can how do you figure out how much what you're doing is too much or too little? No, no, it's a great great point, Vishal. So you like the best thing is the Walmart. So Walmart actually had begun to do digitization in two thousand, but it got somehow not gone very far until Doug McMillan came in. Hmm. He bought a company. Who does it? Three point two billion publicly said it, all their people understand it. And you got to build slowly initially, which he did. And now it's all transferred into the core of Walmart. So they are not there because there's a benchmark against Amazon. And so we say, how's your revenue growth? Is it improved? Yes. Is it 25%? No. So this year, Walmart is spending almost 12 to 16 billion dollars for infrastructure. Amazon spends more than 50 billion. And the CEO announced that our results for the year might be flat. The stock price declined. Now the first quarter showed they're not flat, they're very good. The stock price is coming back. So the key is that the top management always set goals. How are you comparing against the goals? So in e-commerce, Walmart is doing very well. It's the high growth rate. But the largest part of their business is through stores, which is very good. But the stores are have a limited capacity. And so that growth is limited. E-commerce growth will drive the growth in the stores. Interesting. So I'm curious to know your perspective on um, your understanding of competitive advantage when the pandemics or something like external forces are going around you that is rapidly creating rifts that's beyond your control. So how would you, how would you, what would a company do? I'm, I'm curious. No, no. See, we got to change our mindset. The only judge of competitive advantage 
is the preference by the consumer. You get to know that. You need to anticipate. You may have people coming totally outside your industry and work backwards from there. And it has to be earned every day now. Take Amazon. The B2W in Brazil is ahead of Amazon in Brazil. Think about that. Mm. It's owned by 3G. They walked you through. There is a huge hand-to-hand competition of Amazon and Walmart and Flipkart in India. Mm. Consumer prefers whom? Competition against Geo, against Walmart, against Amazon. So here you have to earn it every day. You may have some advantages like Amazon does because of the skill they got now and the cash they have now. But there are plenty of other niches to go after. But uh, uh, Target is succeeding. Uh, Walmart is succeeding in Home Depot. But they're taking a market share of those who are not digitized. And so the other guys need to wake up. Interesting. And uh, so is there any wrong way? Like, so um, if if you're doing something from your vantage point, where, when do you say, hey, this is not the right way to do it? Like, what's your what's your perspective on that? No, 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 no. Vishal, the key part is no two company CEOs are the same. Mm. No two companies are the same. No two cultures are the same. So we go from very high levels to the ground level. The differentiation is at the ground level. The high level is a PowerPoint presentation. It doesn't work. So the skill is to be specificity and clarity for that company. What will work for them? They need speed. Today, speed is a competitive advantage. And and in in from your vantage point, what are some of the misconceptions? So when it comes to understanding of yes. competitive advantage, yeah. what yeah. what what do people get it wrong? Yeah, one conception number one. I have hardware of a big plant, big stores. Competitive advantage. It's not. It's insufficient. It is data and its use, and it's an ecosystem. You have multiple people on your platform. It gives you flexibility. You can change prices at will, respond right away. Many of the CEOs have not experienced that. Number two, many of the CEOs have not gone directly to the consumer, directly without the layers, living with them. A company like Procter & Gamble requires people to go and live with the families. Unilever does it. Colgate does it. That has to come. People have been lost in the in pre-COVID, in the numbers only. That's in, and they've got to go to school. There's a company in Boston that goes to MIT with the full team, management team, one day a month. You learn it. You do it. Figure this out. So those are the things. The conception, all developed before 1997, did not take into account the speed of change, the personalization and the machine that does that personalization and that it creates what I've come to call concept of increasing returns. 
all hard asset companies are on concept of diminishing returns. The management needs to learn that software in front causes increasing return concept. Interesting. So from from your vantage point, uh, so when, when, we, when we talk about say competitive advantage, so is that um, is that what differentiates you from the competition as as the name suggests or is it how you are mesmerizing your customer so from your vantage point like is it is it comparative feature or it's it's your ability to do, do your job better no. where do you see no 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 there's a different reference point in the game of speed and personalization your first focus how to create value for the customer. Second focus, is it better than competition? Not the other way around. When you go back all the theories that we had in 70s, five force analysis, strategic intent, core competence, they do not have what we create for the consumer and also create for the shareholder at the same time. And is it better than competition? That personalization did not exist. So the old techniques are over. Interesting. You should, you should unlearn those. They were good at that time. Hmm. The core competence of many of the incumbents is obsolete. It doesn't work. It will kill you if you get hung to them. Because the core competence is based on slow speed. Mm. They're not agile. You stick to your knitting was good then, but in this hyper speed, that knitting may be obsolete. Just think about delivering in one day. That did not exist before. And free. A cheaper price and the company that does it earns a ton of cash every day but they don't show that in gap accounting cash is cash unless there is a fraud gap accounting is a destroyer of mindset hmm. because it misses the relationship of PL and balance sheet amazon more it grows more cash it generates think about that one it has a hold of cash now it is investing 50 billion minimum if they invest properly it's going to create growth isn't it so the way they invest money they link to the increase in revenues most companies don't do that hmm. It is directly linked to either cost reduction or revenue generation. It's a discipline. We didn't do that. That's a that's a very interesting point. So, um, in, in in data world, so so we talk about art of doing business and science of doing business, right? So 
there is so data if you if you are relying too much on data you become slightly more predictable right because your decision making in based on data and data is again there's a very structured algorithm that are defining it but if you look at businesses in the past they were in a in in some ways an art project right so how they do business how they wow their customer there's there's a there's an art and a science to it so when you when you hear the world the word data a lot when it comes to the context of business and going future and all that how what do you think is is uh, from your mindset how it's impacting the competitive edge or how much of competitive edge is science and how much of it is arts like i'm i'm curious to know from you so number 1 asking the right questions from the data is an art data itself without that art is not useful now a number of questions have been automated but there is a further art in the brain in what are the questions observing a consumer observation is an art data can validate on a large scale basis so when you go to the customer and say what does he prefer you perceive you create hypothesis the data can cross check you have a new competitive advantage you did that determination and design of it has a lot of art in it people don't understand design of an algorithm has art in it hmm. i can get you same algorithms and same data two different designers you will see different items different outcomes there's an art in it that's a fair point so um on um in your in your evolution um, in an organization when is the right time from your vantage point to start thinking about uh, about having a competitive edge when when should i i design it's too late if you're not doing it you got to get on with it first thing connect with the customer digitally get the data ask the right question use the data for analytics measure your competitive advantage and is you are you creating value better for customer better for shareholder than your competitor if not go to work because the speed is running very fast i i'm curious so when you are consulting these executives of large companies about about um transformation what are some of their fears uh, yeah first thing i want you to know vishal i don't use the word transformation i said throw it out it's a buzzword you had 100000 feet it doesn't do anything good interesting let's talk about how do you create value for the customer and create market value for the shareholder let's work backwards and then say what's your goal 
for market cap, revenues, margins, cash, etc. And then we say, if it is a little bit better than last year, you're not the right CEO. Market won't accept that. So we go to the customer and we see what is their need, what's changed, what's not changed, who's coming in, and how do we create what is more useful to the customer, and work backwards, and then say, if we collect this one first as a data, get the data, get continuous engagement, get additional sources of revenues, we go. Or as Larson and Tubro did in the supply chain. Or Walmart doing it now, you know that they're not only in retail, they're going into advertising, they're going into healthcare. Very nice. They're just coming to the party a little late, but it's not too late. And, 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 and they would be number two of them. And, and what are some of the some of the struggles a leader are are, are, are pitching you or, or are sharing that? What are some of the struggles they are having? Struggle number one is to get the small team in the top that's fully aligned. If they can't, they got to change people. Second struggle is to get the board aligned. Had the board understood when they go for ask for appropriation for capital expenditures. Mm. And third, they got to be extremely good communicators. But one thing is not negotiable. And that is a great competence in Jeff Bezos. Maniacal focus on the customer need. Customer faster, better, cheaper, convenient. Many times has been opposed by his people. He wants to give the delivery in one day. It costs too much. He overrules them. Because he has a strategy. He just bought MGM for roughly little less than $9 billion. He's going to give that free to Prime. You have 150 million people in Prime. Competition can't do that. Now, people love it. He increased the fee from $9.99 to $13.99. He can go to $14.99. That's $12 a year. At $150 million, that's a ton of money. And that is more than the interest he has to pay on the 8.9 billion he gave. So it's this new model mm. of business. Have the people focus on the new model of business and new strategy. Let the technology people do the machine learning engines. It's no different than you build a plant and you contract the building of the plan to somebody. That's a fair point. You build so, a house. So I, um, let's let's spend a few minutes on your book, by the way. And, and, and by the way, fascinating read. Um, so if I, I was curious, so when, when I was reading this book, um, so the, the title says Rethinking Compared Advantage. I was curious, what is the rethink? Like, what is the focus on rethinking? Like, what, how rethinking, frequently? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, rethinking part is that first unlearn what you have done, what company wanted, because that was a static environment relatively to the speed today. That was a mass, 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 mass approach. It's not personalized approach. These two things are the most important thing. Third thing is the technology changes huge and very fast. Therefore, you have to be flexible. That's why this thing got going. And then we say that here I show you in the book how to create 10 times the market value. I give you tools how to do that because that's what Amazon has done that. That's what Adobe has done that. And they were small companies. They were nothing. Why can't you do that? Here are the tools. See them. Experiment them. Do the pilots. And then you scale up the pilot. Software helps you scale the pilots very fast with the exponential increase in gross margin. Interesting. So I take you through that because everything I write and talk it has to be useful to the practitioners. You can apply them Monday morning. And everything I've written has been tested somewhere by somebody, by some practitioner. Interesting. So uh, I was I was reading somewhere um, about that you should focus on money making model, not a business model. I, I wonder. Correct. I wonder why. What's the difference? Yes. You see, business model has been interpreted in many ways. Some people call business model change in organization structure. Some people call business model uh, just changing the financial side of the business. Money-making model is the word used by every street hawker, every corner store, how your business makes money how you get revenues from where, what's the gross margin, how you generate cash, how do you reduce cost? This is the money-making model. So in the case of Amazon, he initially started with a very simple rule. I will not sell anything overall basis that has less than 20% gross margin. He stuck to that. Today's gross margin is 40. Hmm. Walmart is around 26. And then you generated cash. He needed some money in the third year, he raised it. After that, he didn't really have to raise any cash. So this is the trader's thinking. For 100,000 years, people have been doing that. It's now scaled up using machine learning computers. But the fundamentals, so I wrote a book, what CEO wants you to know, to show how a corner store person uses exactly the same ter mm. terminology what Jack Welch was using in GE. Difference, scale, complexity, scope, gap accounting. But he was able to reduce that to the same thing when he did this decision. I sat with him. Hmm. Very, he simplified all that correctly. I said, we're going to do this. Sam Walton taught him also. He came to the meeting I was in. He showed that. The flywheel concept was first developed by Sam Walton. Mm. It's in my book. What CEO wants you to know. And then Jeff Bezos took that scale, used machine learning, and fantastic job. So money making. So I simplified the word business model. No ambiguity. 
how does your business make money? How is it different from somebody? How does it deliver value to the customer? And how does it deliver value to the shareholder? And if you can share options with all of your employees, it will deliver wealth to your employees as well. Interesting. No, I think I I, I really like the way um, you have simplified some of some of the very jargony word and 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 put it in a very raw way. I think that's fascinating. Um, Fascinating to read, and I, and I do appreciate you for that. Vishal, the largest number of business people are the street vendors. Hmm. They have to make a living every day. Hmm. Some fail. Second largest is the corner grocery store. Hmm. And they are here for 100 years. My family has just finished 100 years on the cloth shop. Wow. My shoe shop where I was trained has just finished 75 years. Wow. You have people in, in Sweden, 400 years. Mm. They make a living, but they know the customer. They know the money-making model. They measure by cash, not by gap accounting. Gap accounting is a number. Mm. And we have seen people showing increase in EPS and going broke. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Because they did not connect with the balance sheet. Most companies do not have internally training. You must connect both PL and balance sheet, mm -hmm. and you must manage on a cash basis. Jeff Mesos, absolutely clear from day one I am managing on a cash basis not on gap accounting and investors understand that mm -hmm. is why it's close to two trillion dollar company with a with a base of com customers unparalleled in history mm. and they're solid customers they're not fleeting away customers retention rate is extremely high wow no, that, 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 that's a fair point. So I'm curious, when you when you were writing this book, who who is the ideal reader as per you? Like who, who, who you wrote it for? Yes. The reader is all executives and middle managers in the company. They're all going to be working on digital database. All of them. You see, I was approached by the publishers. You say the, the work of competition in 70s, 80s, 90s is obsolete. We mm. choose you to put a competition book. That's mm. how this came. Interesting. Yeah. Random House came to me and they said, all the other is obsolete. We are choosing you to put this. It took us three years because we kept searching, kept searching, kept searching. No, I, I think, I think, the way you describe it, it's it's pretty it's pretty raw. I, I, I think what what I found, I, I'm, I'm basically repeating my my saying, but it is as you rightly putting out. Many of these things are have been tried and tested on streets. You can you look around and you exactly. see exactly. So you don't exactly. have to really innovate something. People have been doing it forever now. Exactly, Vishal. I want to tell you one thing. I'm a very lucky man to be able to work with CEOs one on one long-term basis. 
I go to their house sometimes on the weekend and get to know and vice versa. You know what? These people have an amazing skill to take complexity, crystallize it to concrete priorities. And the language is non-profane street language. Mm. And Jack Walsh used to tell me that people make things complex. Mm. His job is to make complex things actionable, simple. Bezos does that. And then look at those specifics, those details that have direct impact on creating value to the customer and to the shareholder. One day, it is publicly known, one day in a meeting, I was not there. Mm. He asked somebody, how long does it take from the time a call comes in by the time you respond? Mm. And the guy gave some number. Mm. So he picked up the phone and became a customer. He showed the discrepancy what the guy told him and what was the reality. And this is in front of a team. And he showed you don't know what you're talking. Re responding to a call is a customer satisfaction. Yeah, true. So they have a meeting every two weeks, 62 pages of metrics, and the algorithms identify the anomalies that are the fast, farthest deviation, mm -hmm. even though it may be one. And then somebody is assigned to see the process that made that happen. Think about the the customer satisfaction thing because the data is there that's execution data-based execution interesting so if if i would ask you the the future of competition like what how would you how i, I i'm curious how would you put it very simple first the mindset consumer preference backwards Figuring it out, a business money making that creates shareholder value. Number two, you work for the consumer, what's the new innovation, how fast it is. Number three, you must create an ecosystem partners who will create a scale for you, innovation for you, data for you, and vice versa. And then say, what's the differential of you with somebody else? Right now, you don't have in America mm. equal weight size giant to compete. Mm. Closest coming is Walmart. Mm. It's going to take some time to get there. But meanwhile, Amazon would have. So I'm predicting, and you can keep that as a prediction. Mm. In by the end of 2025, Amazon will be operating at the level of $1 trillion in revenues mm. with 40% plus margin, gross margin and a ton of cash. It's totally predictable. I'm not predicting stock mm. price. The fundamental basic money-making engine is in place today. You have a new CEO who knows what he's doing. 
He's going to bring new energy. Bezos is going nowhere. He's still the chairman. He will have ideas. Interesting. No, I think that that's fascinating, and 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 thank you, Ram, for 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 walking us through and helping understand um, the, the the competition landscape. So now I I want to I want to take a few minutes of your um, on a segment we call it rapid fire, because um, the idea is to uh, how this work is I'll I'll usher something and just tell me what comes to your mind one or two sentences that sure. comes and I think you have been you have, I think so far you have been amazing playing rapid fire since but you're doing a great job and thank you so much on that so let's talk about um, so future of work. Reshape it. There's nothing permanent. The key thing to remember, work has to be energizing. We need to fit people's aspirations to the work a lot. I have a company I'm on the board in Canada. It's a startup company. It's operating. We got two and a half thousand people now. And there we arranging the HR system to know what you, Mr. Want to do, why you want to do, what are your skills, and see if you can tailor that. When you do that, you know what happens to the productivity and the energy mm-hmm. and satisfaction. You go to human endeavors in arts, people figure out which part. You go to sports, not everybody's going to be a pitcher. Orchestra. Technology. Technology is a very broad word. The most critical thing is to scan every day. For example, yesterday in my scanning, we now have a technology in batteries from liquid electrolyte to solid state. It's now happening. It has to scale up. Once it is there, it will change the world. Learn it. Leadership. There are leaders who are not executives. There are executives who are not leaders. There are people who are leaders and executives, but not business people. They have no clue what business is. Competition. Know the customer, find out what he prefers. Partnership. Create win-win situation. Capitalism. Capitalism is a freedom for somebody to prosper. Initiative. You have an idea. You can win in America. So long you're resilient, driven, funding is available. Good business that serves customer, has ethical, has values, and creates your value, even though initially maybe losing money. Bad business. Unethical, cutting corners, cheating its employees, Enron, fraud. Competitive advantage. It's not sustainable. Only thing sustainable is people who create it every day. One thing I misunderstood about competition. 
either misunderstood or fearful. When Microsoft was great, it is still great, by the way, but there was no competition. People feared and didn't do things. But competition is driven by human beings. You better know the human beings of your competition. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for playing that. Now we are at the tail end of the, of the conversation, and I want to spend a few minutes on your journey. And and we ask mm -hmm. all of our guests to share. So um, we, we ask all of our guests to talk about things that has helped them become what they have become. So what, mm. what are some of the qualities that you would def define as a source of what you have become? Mine was a very simple one. Learning every day. I was not driven that I have to be somebody. It's true. I'm not somebody now. But any progress that has come has come from that principle. Until 1998, I really essentially wrote no book. Now I've got 32 books. Even the Harvard Business School professor used to tell me, you can't write a book. I said, I don't want to write a book. So one day I was teaching at Ford around 97, and the CEO walked in into the class at the end. You know, the class went quiet. I finished, he came around. I know who he is, he doesn't know who I am. He said, I want that book. I said, what sort of book? He said, what you were teaching? He calls his HR person, David Murphy. He said, David, give me whatever he wants. I want that damn book, and walked away. <laughs> I wrote that first book for Ford. Million copies. It's called What the CEO Wants You to Know. And then I just went on writing books. So I've written front page cover articles for Fortune, front articles for Harvard Business Review, zillions of them. On 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 the topic of books, what are some of your, some of your favorite books? Well, clearly the execution. But the most important book is what the CEO wants you to know. It should be read by every salesperson, every technology person. It tells you how you make money in a very simple, practical language and compares it with the largest companies that use exactly the same mental thinking. And they reduce complexity to the same things. Mm. And, and and from the from the genre that's not written by you, what are some of your favorite reads? I'm curious. Say it again another way. Sorry? Please say it another way, same thing. So same what are question. some what are some of the books that are not written by you? Like what are some of your favorite reads? Oh yeah, yeah. Well I was see, I was in Australia at the age of about twenty, and I began to read Peter Drucker. There is a great book just come out, and most people will disagree with me. It's by Brad Stone on Amazon Unbound. I believe this is the best business book on the planet today. Interesting. If you ignore some of the nonsense, pick up the nuggets. Bezos is the best businessman on the planet today. Businessman. I did not say leader. I did not say executive. I did not say entrepreneur. I did not say digital guy. He may be, 
business skill is different. There are many consultants who do strategy, but they're not business people. Mm. There are great business people who could not do strategy. So when I select CEOs, which I do, largest companies I influence, I test for business acumen. I test how they how will they make money. Because the investors figure that out. You're making money or you don't. That's why you have, when Bezos have been losing his shirt by gap accounting, and you're seeing the investors love it. They're not idiots. It sustains. They make mistakes, but not that many. Why companies collapse? Because of fraud or because of relying on gap accounting EPS alone. Mm. Or they have incentives on that basis alone. Keyword is alone. So the collapse. Interesting. So last but, last but not least, um, if you want um, our listeners and viewers to take away something from this conversation, what would <clears throat> that be? What would be your parting thought to our listeners and viewers? Very, very clear. This is the era of great opportunity. Master how to serve customer better, work backwards using data, how to create more share of value, unlearn the old stuff, learn what algorithms can do for your business. With that, uh, thank you so much, Ram, for helping us understand the complex world of competition in a very simplistic way. And I, I couldn't thank you enough for all your contribution to helping people like us understand the nuances of running a business, understanding what really matters in the age when we are seeing so much of chaos and so much of things going on. And, and, and I think I really admire your, your focus on focusing on simplicity of doing business rather than getting <clears throat> tangled with, with all, all the jargons. I do appreciate that. No, thank you for such probing questions. It's a delight. I see my book you have behind you fantastically displayed there. And I want everybody to think about we can make living only by serving a customer. Thank you. Thank you for your time. I was homesick, never really knew that I would have to grow so quick. Uh, I thought I was sick of home, but actually I was homesick. Never really knew that I would have to grow so quick. I'm so uncomfortable, don't know anybody here. Just a couple dudes that I met once, that's it. And I go into the booth feeling nervous. Got butterflies in my stomach like I'm so worthless. Is the mic on? I don't know how to work this. Inside I'm breaking down, I hope I'm not up on a certain